process of internet. Do I look like some kind of monster? My name is Matthew Kroll. And this process might seem overwhelming, but with a little practice, it can soon become a pleasurable experience. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Barbarian. No Conan? No, but one of my favorite classes in Dungeons & Dragons 5e. Okay, the um, barbarian. Yeah, yeah, because you can do this thing. Uh, basically, uh, it made popular by Travis uh, Willingham from Critical Role. It's a trait called Rage. Okay, and you say you activate <laughs> it, so you do more damage, but you'll like take more damage. You get hit more easy because you're kind of swinging wildly. And to activate it, all you must do is say. I would like to rage. Huh. Uh, it is quite fun and very effective if you stack it with other abilities. Appropriate uh, for, for my day-to-day living right now as well. I would like I to think rage so. Just, often. <laughs> yes. Uh, use it. Use it in your day-to-day life. Just okay. say it and yeah. then uh, act like a psychopath. And then I no longer need to rage? Is that the... Like, once I've raged... No, then you're protected... You, you basically get a little bit of plot armor uh, <laughs> and, and a little bit more strength on whatever uh, task or, or, or brigand you are trying to vanquish. I, those words sound amazing, and so does the word barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, to be confused, uh, with, there was a film called Barbarians. Yes, there was. That Wasn't that, uh, I feel like that was based on a play. I think it was. That, the, it, I don't even remember when that actually hit. Oh, but like, 2021 was, is when it hit. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so like 100 years ago or three minutes ago, depending on uh, what, we're, what we're talking about. Side note, Shahir, mm. welcome back. Thank you. You were gone. Where'd you go? Uh, where did I? Oh, I went to the Roblox Developers Conference uh, in Whoa. San Francisco. I am now a Roblox developer. No, I'm not really a Roblox developer, but I, uh, we are interested, obviously, in the, in the world of Roblox, which is, you know, uh, a massive thing and um, you know we were invited to uh, check out uh, what's happening there in terms of development and what people are making and and how things work on the on the development side for Roblox and it was it was honestly it was fascinating and uh, one thing I will say is that everyone I met there was delightful every That's like good. legitimately everyone was just like really fun to talk to really nice um, but can I tell you one Amazing coinkidink. Sure. Which was that um, my son has become obsessed with Bakugan. Have you ever heard of Bakugan? I know the word. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but it's, I've heard the word Bakugan. It's, it's a brawling type card based game where you have yes. these little toys with balls that like, you know, you, you keep these dragons yep. as uh, or these like Bakugan as your uh, as your fighters and you and you have brawls with them and my son became obsessed with it recently because uh, I think Netflix dropped the TV show uh, so he was like and this was like his first foray into something that was a little bit more grown up than the usual shows that he wa- that he watches so we watched it together and it became like this bonding thing we were watching Bakugan together and we were playing it um, and then uh, the friend who invited me to the event you know I was like oh, we were talking about Roblox trends and I was like oh yeah you know like there's all sorts of things for you know kids this age bakugan you know my son's into bakugan and he was like oh we work on bakugan and then he introduced me to uh he, he showed me the bakugan uh platform on roblox which was amazing blew my my son's mind you know brain out and then um <laughs> uh, we actually met the people who work and develop on bakugan at the same time and it was just it was like it was this cool thing of like you know, like being able to impress my son with uh, with something that uh, that he's in love with. Yeah, no, it's cool. I actually we did an episode uh, called Roblox's thirty billion dollar bet, where we basically right before they went public, right, uh, we talked about all the different ways that could go and yada yada yada. So that's that's neat that you're doing that you're doing your 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 your. Now here's the question: Will they pay you in Robux? Oh, man, 
What is the actually? You know what? Another funny thing. Did you know the conversion? I met a person who worked on the team that actively manages the currency conversion rate for Robux to to actual dollars as well, uh, and that was a fascinating conversation about actual a uh, virtual currency versus a real currency and how it actually works in different cur- in different countries. And stuff. There, yeah, uh, it, it, you know what? They have one digital currency, and I appreciate that <laughs> uh, because things like Diablo Immortal and all that jazz yeah. that have like twelve, and you're like, oh. oh Okay, this is just designed to obscure. Uh, Anyway, um, so that's cool you got to go do that. Um, What what did you get up to? I did two conferences. I think I talked about PAX Mm -hmm. when when Jamie came on to do the thing, but the thing I did the day after recording that was EduCon, which was uh, basically 150 uh, educational creators are invited to the Google space in New York City Mm -hmm. uh, from all over the world. Uh, And I actually got to do a panel on um, content creation, uh, effective content creation and how to avoid burnout with a star-studded cast of folks. Daniel from The Coding Train, um, a science, uh, Pedro Los uh, from a science channel from Brazil, and uh, uh, Maria from um, uh, from Mexico, who has a math channel, Math to Me. Oh wow! Um, the phenomenal, phenomenal group of creators, and uh, it was cool. I basically got to talk mm-hmm. to everyone. Like, I feel like at various points in the presentation or in the day, I spoke to so many. People like I think I talked to the person who's like in charge of the YouTube product. Okay, like like <laughs> high up nonsense things, and and I like I was asking for features, and and I will say uh, I was eyeing uh, some people, and uh, they wrote it down. And they didn't when they were talking to everybody, they didn't write down the things all the time. But when we were discussing things, they wrote it down. So that was the, very did nice. They did they did that meme from uh, B J Novak from uh, The Office, right? Like they noted it down. Have you seen that meme? Okay. Uh, I, yeah, but I, I have only watched The Office once, so I know. Anyway, okay. it was a very cool event. I'm super happy that they did it. There's a couple new, uh, uh, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about them, so I won't, but like things coming down the pipeline in the education space for YouTube that is quite exciting uh, that I also uh, f- found uh, hurdles that would cause, for instance, my particular channel to have to to, to interact with them, right. but they were also very receptive to being like, oh, we didn't even think of that. Yeah, we totally have to account for this, that, and the other thing. So it was nice to like talk to product development that was actively like cool with criticism and like like really enjoyed like the process of working with it. Uh, also, shout out to my partner manager Dean, who is just a complete and utter uh, badass uh, who got the whole thing rolling for us. So it was pre- it was it was so neat to be around other people in my field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very, very cool. So uh, yeah. I, I was very thankful to be invited to that. I have to say as well, like I was actually yeah, in rooms with people, talking to people and conversations were had. And you know, uh, just I know we're going to get into the movie. Um, there was a weird thing, which is that I felt maybe it's because I haven't been in a room with like new people talking, you know, having conversations on that scale kind of in a long time. But all the conversations felt real and genuine and they weren't necessarily like uh work related we just talked about stuff that we were interested in um we talked a lot about movies um we talked a lot about um you know where our lives were it was it was just i don't know maybe that's the way the world is right now because because you know we've been um bereft of like public conversations and in you know in in spaces but you know it was it was I, I noted it, I felt it, and I appreciated it. So I had a I had a, a pleasant yet opposite effect. Okay. Everyone was just talking about work, which okay. is fine because of what it was. But I would be the asshole who'd be like, so when you're not like making YouTube stuff, like what are you doing? Yeah. And like, and people would like stop 
and like their brain would sort of like hitch for a second. They're like, mm. oh wow, that's uh, no one ever asked that. Well, I uh, I, I go kayaking and like mm-hmm. go, I like I learned all these things from like creators and people at YouTube that like what they did outside of the platform because I think. Look, and I am as guilty of this as anyone. When you have access to someone who works at YouTube and you have a YouTube channel, all you want to do is talk about, like, the platform and your either gripes or thoughts or whatever, right? Right. And I think it was really nice. And I, 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 I was happy to give people a bit of reprieve, but also a little sad that no one ever asks those questions to right. those people. Like, it's always like, what can you get me? And I'm just like, hey, you seem cool. That's a nice shirt. Like, what do you want? <laughs> like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Like, it's just, it was, I don't know. It was overall, I had such a blast. And again, I'm, I'm super thankful to, uh, to have gotten to go. Well, um, then we, I, in the middle of the Roblox conference, I texted you and I was like, hey, there's this movie that I've heard is doing quite well and has got good reviews. I know literally nothing about it, but mm-hmm. it's playing in a movie theater near me. Would you be interested in doing it this week? And you replied, no. But <laughs> no, no, I said, yeah. sure. I, of course, we wouldn't be here otherwise. Yeah. Um, uh, it just would have been a funny story if, uh, well, if you were like, no, fuck off. It's uh, funny. I, uh, my only experience with this film before seeing it was Will Temper, a uh, friend and guest on the show, has he's just sees every horror movie somehow right. like three weeks early. I don't know what dark pact he's made, but it just happens. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, see it. Okay. And I was like, all right, Will says see a horror movie. I'll go see a horror movie. Like, Did Will it, have any opinions on the movie? when He, he, he purposely was uh, obscured them mm-hmm. uh, from me when we discussed it. It's odd because I, you know, like I, I often go... Uh, uh, without watching the trailer, but in this particular case, um, not only did I not watch the trailer, I actually knew very little about the movie. Uh, usually, like despite the fact that me not watching trailers, uh, I tend to be fairly well well educated on what is coming out, who's doing what, who's been working on what, just because my my field relates to it. Uh, but this was certainly one where I had only seen uh, a glimpse of the poster and didn't know anything else. I did watch the trailer. Oh, and I got to say, you? one of my favorite trailers of the year or for a horror film. I not because not because it uh like blew my mind and looked so cool and oh my gosh, but it was a competent trailer that based on the film's structure, I would posit only pulled from the first third. Well, it would have to, really, wouldn't it? Given that what we're going to talk about, you know, like it's... it's yeah, 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 yeah. Or uh, like for the most part, anyway. Yeah. Like, so it was nice to see, like, again, I go back, Terminator 2. Imagine <laughs> if they didn't spoil the fucking twist, right, <laughs> of Arnold being the good guy. We just spoiled uh, it then. Oh, <laughs> no, people not, seen Terminator not for 1991. <laughs> Say it ain't so. I'm not even sorry. If I just spoiled Terminator 2 for you, you deserve that. Um, I'm, I am I actually hoped that you would have gone in without watching the trailer, because that not just because that's how I did it, but I, I got the impression as I was watching the movie that this was a fun movie to watch uh, with without knowing anything about what was going to happen. No, but this is the thing. The trailer did, like... I would normally say, I agree, that would have been better. I actually really liked that I I saw the trailer because it still, it made the twist hit even, or the couple twists, I guess, like mm. hit even harder. Okay. Like, because I, I went in with an expectation and it actively and non-damagingly bucked that expectation. Non-damaging. I think it was a... I think it was a really, really smart trailer. If you need a trailer, then th- this was the way to go. 
All right. Uh, well, tell us what the... Uh, oh, actually, before we jump mm. into the IMDb synopsis, we have an email that I... That's uh, right. <laughs> our, and, you know, again, peeking behind the curtain here, our email has been spammed uh, so yeah. hard in the last couple of weeks. We got just a robot named spam. Gina emailing yeah, us like every Gina hour. From, yeah. <laughs> so if you have been emailing us in, uh, we apologize if we haven't seen your email. We are trying to clear the email now, but it, we've just been hit with so much spam uh, recently. And this email is actually uh, a couple of weeks old. So I apologize. To Hassan, who was in, said, My name is Hassan, and I recently came across your podcast since you're the only movie podcast in town. Truth. And have become instantly hooked and am burning through your back episodes. Your review of Day Shift had me grinning from ear to ear because that yeah. is exactly how I felt about the movie. Fuck you two you. are very funny, interesting, <laughs> articulate about movies, and made me think a lot about movies in new ways. And for that, I thank you. Uh, though I do have one small request as a new listener. I'm a big fan of cyberpunk and in, and love anything set in that world. Neuromancer, Cyberpunk 2077, Blade Runner, The Matrix, Ghost in the Shell, and some of my favorite cyberpunk genre. And I was wondering if you ever thought about reviewing the original Ghost in the Shell and its sequel, and maybe discuss some of the early works by Ma, uh, Mamoru Oshii, who in my opinion has been regulated to just, oh yeah, that did, dude who did the original Ghost in the Shell, when his work is so much more expansive than just, the, than just Ghost in the Shell, and it deserves much more attention. I wish you all the best and never stop reviewing movies. Oh, that was very sweet, Hassan. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad and and shocked, but I love it so that the day shift <laughs> episode was the one that got you in the door. Oh, well, you know, look, some people are just looking. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, should we yes. do Ghost in the Shell and its uh, remake that starred Scarlett Johansson? I don't want to do the remake. <laughs> I uh, think we should do the remake. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, double feature. No, uh, I would love to do that. I think that movie is, is dope, and I, it's been a minute since I've seen it. I do really love cyberpunk stuff. Yeah. Uh, the I've been slipping on my reading lately. I think the latest Gibson I read was Burning Chrome, Okay. Um, which is one of his, I mean, as far as it goes, newer ones from what I remember. But, like, uh, you know, I've read... Uh, this wasn't a Gibson, but uh, into Neon, um, obviously Neuromancer. There's one I'm blanking on. Um, I don't know. They're, they're, cyberpunk is such an interesting genre. I even, uh, again, uh, though I did not enjoy the glitches that the Cyberpunk 2077 had on launch, I am like slowly but surely churning through the game, and I think the story is interesting. And like they built, they, they built a truly empty world that looks like it's not right. if that makes sense in that game and like the the amount of detail that they put in to make you feel like you're in one of these novels is is quite uh impressive okay. so i mean I, I look i'm all about it um I, the i, I will have admit, you, you've seen ghost I, in the show right? I, I don't think i have actually i oh, don't think wow. i have i know well one day, one day. I'm, i can't believe i'm forgetting it's not fucking Neuromancer. What the God? I mean, this bug me. Uh, Hassan, I'll let you know. Uh, but thank you so much for uh, for writing in. And uh, yeah, may- maybe, maybe. I-, I think it should happen. That that seems like uh, that seems like a canonical film that we should definitely, um, uh, as they say over at Film Spotting, enter into the pantheon. Oh, uh, we have a pantheon. <laughs> well, you know, we have our pants on. I, uh, speak uh, for yeah. yourself. <laughs> Tell us what Barbarian is about. I sure will, Shahir. Did you know that IMDb, that being the Internet Movie Database, says that the film Barbarian is about the following subject. 
A woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. <sighs> true. That is true. Tr- and also, true. also your worst, uh, your worst nightmare. Uh, not, well, not, not the, not that the house isn't what it seems, but that somebody else is double booked. So in. let me tell you a story before we talk about the movie. Okay. So is as you know, doing Shahir, for the last twenty minutes. Before. No, but I'm gonna gonna keep going because okay. this actually ties in thematically. Okay. So I, the last thing I did in my whirlwind tour of Pax Edu. UConn in this third event was a thing called Summer House. I've brought it up before where it's a bunch of shit here. You've been to Winter House once. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, basically what, what it is is a bunch of our old MTV crew, uh, gets together. We do it for years. We do like a beer Olympics and we play games and we do DJ sets and we just have a whole lot of fun. Uh, this time, but we always rent a giant Airbnb <laughs> and I don't know if you've rented a giant Airbnb with a bunch of people Shahir, but it's always, especially for some reason in Pennsylvania, super weird. Uh, like the, the the construction is all odd. There's a hundred light switches. Only three of them work. But like right. for rooms that are across the house, there are doors that are locked with codes. Like there, <laughs> like there's just like it's, oh man, it's, a door locked with a code. We showed up to this place. There was a night. yeah. There was a um. There was a uh, indoor pool at this place, which okay. was dope. Yeah. But the hot tub didn't work, okay. and there was a breaker for the hot tub. There were light switches for the hot tub. Turned out our, our, our buddy and friend of the show, Mike Leonard, uh, had to go in because he has a hot tub and actually go under the hood and look and like it was unplugged actively okay like even though the owner said it wasn't okay and it was ready to use and he had to like f- like actually switch like fuse things in the undercarriage of the hot like it's anyway my was point there is, was there a, a, a spectral ghastly person underneath that hot tub did no. mike Leonard make it out alive but I want to tell you another activity we did at this house before we talk about the horrors that happen in Barbarian. Okay. And that is a game that Nick Parker, another again, friend of the show, uh, came up with called Sardines. Okay. And what you do in Sardines is when it's nighttime, everyone but one person goes to one edge of the house. Yeah. And that there's a light on in that area. And the rest of the house is pitch black. Right. You turn off all the lights. And that person has to hide. And then the group goes in and has to be silent and in pure darkness, very carefully, (laughs) feel around for where this person might be hiding. And when they are found, you end up, like, basically you get pulled in and have to, like, scrunch in where that person is hiding until there's only, like, one or two people left and it gets real creepy and it's, like, fun, whatever, right? Right. Silly, silly game. Uh, Ridiculous. If I had to play Sardines... After watching Barbarian, <laughs> I would my mind would have broken. I would have been so GD terrified. Uh, I don't know if I would have left that original lighted room. Right. I uh, I have definitely stayed at some houses. Uh, in fact, I did stay in an Airbnb which had like kind of uh, a cave, uh, a cave like basement to it. Uh, it didn't have locked off rooms, but I, I look. What we're really talking about is the fear of the unknown, right? The spe- the, the sure. fear that there is a space upon which we do not know what is in that space. And in this case, what I think is so smart about Barbarian is the way in which it reveals different layers of fear 
right from the get-go of this film. Um, the, so uh, just to, just to get started off as well, this is also directed by Zach Krieger, who is a director of sketch comedy, uh, particularly the, the whitest, kids, whitest kids you know. The whitest kids you know. Uh, so this is uh, following that tradition of, uh, of someone like Jordan Peele, for example, who has jumped over from uh, sketch comedy into uh, mainstream horror. Uh, and we can talk about maybe why that is such a su- successful leap. I think it has to do with the fact that both comedy and horror are designed to elicit physical responses from people. So people who are good at one tend to be good at the other, mm-hmm. or, or at least can think about it in the in the other way. Um, but I was actually, again, uh, had no idea what this movie is. I didn't even know that this movie was about an Airbnb. Um, all I, you know, I just literally knew the title. Um, and so these first moments uh, when uh, our lead actress by the name of Tess, played by Georgina Campbell, what, uh, you know, is having difficulty both getting access to an Airbnb, then having to realize that it is safer to be in her car than waiting outside for the Airbnb because the neighborhood might not be that uh, that comfortable. Then seeing another human being, and then us as the audience having to try and figure out is this human being who has just previously played um, Pennywise the Clown, um, uh, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Um, is this human being to be trusted? You know, like what is going on with this Airbnb? Is this person legitimately there? or are they there under some kind of false pretenses which makes the situation more dangerous and I think this first act of the movie before it leads into sort of a grand twist uh, that is not unlike Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho um, is so smart at making sure that every possible option is on the table and every possible option is scary right like the, the, sure. there's a possible option that 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 Bill Skarsgård's character Keith is up to something there's a possibility that the house itself is uh it, it has some sort of history behind it that is un, that is not for us it is possible that someone is manipulating both these characters um even the way in which bill skarsgård's character keith kind of decides to open a bottle of wine which is in itself you know like somewhat creepy he offers a, a taste of a, a glass of wine but then gives this speech about like well look i didn't want to open the wine i didn't want to have the wine open before you got here, in case you thought I had done something to the wine. Well, because he, he makes her tea and she doesn't drink it. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's so clever because that is actually thinking through the legitimate fears that Tiss as a character would have about every interaction with Keith. And the setup, side note, that we the thing we forgot to mention is when, when Tess shows up, Keith has already rented the Airbnb. There was a mix-up in the system. Or and they were has both, he? Or has or he? Or has he? Uh, that, um, that, that basically means they both had it rented at the same time. Now, they go through the standardized fare, right? They both have receipts. They try to call the but, person who's not available. But yada, they do yada, something yada. very clever, which is that we don't see Keith pull out the receipt immediately. Like he yes. leaves the room and then comes back, which may, which gives us the audience again that time to to question that and go, well, what you know, like does he actually have a receipt or does he did he go and quickly make something and bring it back, you know, like it's just it's very clever uh, in that setup, which is that every possible iteration of tension is being explored out. Yeah. Um, uh- and and they 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 slow burn it too, which is nice. Yeah. Like it's it's. Uh... 
It starts as a spooky thing that they have some stuff in common because they re- they know the same documentary filmmaker that's like uh, very niche. That's, then it's odd they, that they know the same documentary filmmaker. Does he, he actually know that filmmaker? I mean, he, he he knew the he knew enough facts about it where yeah. I kind of trusted that that was true. But then it's like, did he do research on her before yeah, she came exactly. to the thing? Like you don't know. It doesn't help that he was petty wise, right? <laughs> like I that is always in the back of my head. Is like, oh yeah, no, he's a monster, right? Um, but. Um, and then, like, it, it's just nice because, like, this is a film that takes its time, it feels like, even though the runtime is not terribly long. It's just like, oh, she's in town for a job interview, and then she goes to it the next day after some creepy stuff happens, and, uh, you know, the but, like, they keep moving on, then he's gone, and you're like, oh, I wonder where that is. She explores the house and finds <laughs> some, some shit in the basement, some doors upon doors upon doors. Can, can we say at this moment, um, before, because I think we're going to go in, like, w- from this point on, we have to go into spoilers. Uh, I mean, I, I guess, I think the only thing I could talk about pre-spoiler is uh, films that shift direction and still have it work. I feel like there are certain films that when a film does sort of what it's what this film is attempting and I think it succeeds at, mm-hmm. it kind of goes off the rails. Like there are I would say three separate stories happening uh maybe throughout this film that intertwine and the reason why I think it works is because they all intertwine I will say naturally in the way American society works and has developed and shifted over the span of what, like 40 years. Right. Like, I feel like the the connectivity of all of these people that are disparate mm-hmm. um, makes a thousand percent sense. And mm. that is why the shift to, say, a character you've never seen a third through the movie uh, works incredibly well. Right. And and um, yeah, so we, we have to say that there is a there is a number of tonal shifts within what is happening in this film uh, throughout, and they're handled. Uh, look, I, I will go on a limb and say, not everything worked in this movie for me, and there was a, there was a fair amount of it that actually didn't quite land, uh, but I certainly got excited by a filmmaker trying a kind of, ra- like, uh, in, in today's climate, somewhat of a radical uh, structure yep. that jumped in not just in story but also in tone, um, and 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 then try to swing it back together again. And it actually, uh, although parts of it didn't work, and the overall for, look, I'll be you know honest, the overall mythology for, you know kind of slipped a little for me. Um, it I I was excited by the movie more than I was not. And you know I was, what's interesting? Yeah. So I think the movie worked very much for me. I mm-hmm. think I have the same qualms. Yeah. But it's 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 funny. Based on, and we'll get to sort of how it all breaks down, but based on, like, the explanation of all of the things, right? Yeah. I don't really... If that's the end-all explanation, I don't really want more of them bending <laughs> over backwards to make it make more sense. Like, I, it, they, it did the bare minimum for a style of horror where I'm always like, okay. Mm. Like, and like, like I, I don't think them doing more with it and being clearer with it would have improved my read of it. I think I think skipping over and skimming and making us sort of guesstimate and kind of get to the spot where we do mm. uh, was probably the best move if this was the story being told, at least for me. For, for uh, me, it's actually the, sort of a, a little bit the opposite, which is that I think the more 
we understood about what was going on, the less impactful it became for me. Uh, and the more that I understood what had happened in order to get these characters into this place, the more I kind of like, yeah, it didn't, it didn't hold the same sort of mystery and intrigue for me uh, at that point. And, you know, but, but that's n sort of neither here nor there because that's not, that's not the part that I'm recommending or not recommending. What I'm recommending here, uh, if you haven't seen the movie and before we go into spoilers, is going in relatively uh, blind to this film um, and just enjoying a filmmaker really taking a swing in a in a fairly um, well-trodden genre at this point. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of B-movie horror, the, the high concept horror, what have you, um, and, and really doing something with it that, that, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely, you know, like I mentioned Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, obviously at the beginning of this, um, but there are definitely, you know, countless examples of, of, of works that have done this way, not least of which the Steven Seagal, Kurt Russell film, uh, Executive Decision. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually was quite taken by what this film was. And, and, uh, you know, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago about, um, uh, George Miller's 3,000 uh, Years of Longing, which absolutely bombed at the box office. Um, Barbarian seems to be doing really well because it has that word of mouth feel to it where people are actually saying, hey, go see this movie and not telling anyone about it. And that intrigue is kind of taking us, in, taking a lot of people into the movie. And apparently, uh, though this is owned by a subsidiary of Disney, it's actually like being one of their more successful uh, late summer releases. Um, so it's actually doing very, very well at the box office at this point. I think it's getting good word of mouth. I think people are hearing that it is surprising, and I think surprising is the only thing that gets people back in the theater. I mean, it's, it's got to be in this climate. Yeah. Um, the 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 thing I was again, I keep we keep going into spoilers. Why do let's, you think? Let's go into spoilers, right? We we can, and I guess this is the first question I have during it because I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. Why is it called Barbarian? Because it was uh, four seven six Barbary Avenue. And uh, this was a, a neighborhood in which people have demonstrated their barbaric behavior. Okay, <laughs> it's in the title, and it's in it's in the street. I guess that's fine. I was hoping for something what, more you know, interesting, like some mythology. That, that I don't know. <laughs> like, it, like again, you have to understand that I'm coming to this word from God. <laughs> fuck, 25, 30 years of of role playing games. Yeah. So, like, the word barbarian to me means something different. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of you know what? Ooh, I don't think this is directly tied, but it's another minor gripe I had with sorcerer. Like it, it, like it doesn't. You it's know. not. It's not quite the same degree of sorcerer where where it's just like no. But like you, you get what I'm saying. Like so, I was hoping like oh, like the monster is kind of barbaric. I mean, the, um, the act that has been done to the monster, which is kind of where this film kind of lands on, is barbaric. And what yeah. has happened to create this monster is barbaric. An act of barbary. An if act you of barbary on Barbary Street. Bar on four seven six Barbary Street. Um. So. I'm trying to think of the best way to like tackle what I want to say. Like, do we just run let's, through? Let's roll, in, let's roll into uh, what happens uh, on the sure. floors within. 
So, so Tess finds a thing in the basement with a creepy pulley door with a room with a camera and a bed and a bloody handprint on the wall. And you're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Then <laughs> finds another secret door to a lower chamber that that is super dark. Uh, eventually, through a series of um, uh, after she finds that camera room, she runs upstairs and Keith is there and she's freaking out. But Keith wants to see it. He goes further down in a door than she did and then doesn't answer him. Uh, uh, and then they are both attacked when they're down there by uh, what seems to be a giant naked woman with a very poor dental hygiene. Uh, and, <laughs> and, then, and, and a lack of melanin. And then we cut to Justin Long uh, in a convertible. I'm a, I'm a Mac. I'm a PC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're like, what? And <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved oh, it. Oh, I did too. I, I very it. much, I thought it was great. And yeah. they, they slow burn that. He yeah. is a movie person of some kind, producer or something. <laughs> and he gets a call about uh, an accusation coming at him that he uh, raped a woman. Mm-hmm. And his career is going down the toilet for, for what uh, he is being accused of. And then he has to start thinking about where he can live because he's losing all of his money. And he has some properties in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he is actually the owner uh, through the course of whatever of the house that this is happening in. Right. And so then you're like, how is this connected to, like, what? Mm. Okay. Well, the question you might be asking at this moment is, is he involved with the woman? Does he know about the woman down there? Or, even better, does he no idea whatsoever? And Uh, and you, you kind of gather somewhat quickly once he arrives that he has no idea yeah like because he's he's a particular kind of douchebag mm. and uh uh he is coded as such after a conversation with his friend where he basically admits to the rape yeah um and uh then he discovers the same things because he's literally trying to measure the square footage to sell the house oh this the scene where he <laughs> so he finds the same room that tiss finds and was disturbed by and we have to stress here that again that first half of the film is so good because the film kind of plays into this idea of you know of you found a room with something dark you know like with a dark passageway in it i'm not going down in that room but then tis does a couple of things that are like okay she's illuminated the room so maybe we could kind of check out what this mm-hmm. is and the it's hallway, a, it's yeah. that line in a film which is that the audience is clearly going um look if you just don't walk down this room none of the bad stuff will happen to you but the other half of the audience's brain is also going but if you don't walk down that room then the movie stops and what yeah. I want to happen is the movie to continue. So the, you kind of do this thing in your brain, which is that you 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 negotiate like what the real act is versus what the what what the movie needs to happen. Yeah. And the movie negotiates that really really well. So she you know she goes into that room and then she finds the you know this further stairwell that goes much further into darkness, as you kind of alluded to as well. But when Justin Long's character finds it, he immediately goes back upstairs and Google's the words. Um, can, can you include unfinished spaces in the square footage of a house? And he's like, and it comes back with like a, a quite a complicated description of like, possibly. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, all right, well, if you word it like this, and then he just runs down with a tape measure. Yeah. And he's like, he is basically running through the same space with complete abandon because he doesn't give a shit about Terra at this point. And we know why. Well, he, he doesn't even know. He doesn't know about Terra at yeah. this point. What? He no, knows no, he doesn't about Terra. Like he he has no sort of sense of fear about walking into the darkness like Tiss had. So when I say terror, I mean T E R R O R. Oh, terror! Yeah, yeah. I, I thought we were misnaming the character. Sorry, that was a that was a mishap on my part. <laughs> um, no, uh, 
the yeah, it, it's like it's his his experience is completely different, yeah. and you realize that why it is is because he's a basically a privileged white guy douchebag. He, he uh, he's he's not thinking about danger. He's thinking about this is my property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I think actually there's an interesting. I, I, you know, again, a film like Get Out really hits its social commentary on the head uh, in, in really good ways. Um, and, and I think there's an interesting social commentary here because the film is set in Detroit in a dilapidated neighborhood that has been um, completely uh, over. Um, what's the word I'm thinking for? Um, completely destroyed, essentially, because everyone has moved away. The houses have become derelict. Um, and so there is a kind of a, a mild social commentary here about the way in which uh, particularly for a town like Detroit or Michigan, um, you know, if we think about uh, Michael Moore's film um, uh, Roger and Me, and yep. you know, all of his films about about Michigan, you know, a town that has classically been um, abandoned by the automotive industry and which has caused economic devastation at every turn. So there's like a little sly commentary here, and, and another sly commentary in the fact that someone who doesn't even live there is the property owner and who has. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a vested economic state in this. But like, you know, if you go to an Airbnb, chances are it's owned by somebody way out of state who's never even been there before. Yeah. You know, like it, there's like a little bit of, I I, I just, I, I appreciated the sense that the, that the house was sort of this Ikea furnished, complete lack of personality, sort of, you know, f- made to be rented on Airbnb. In the home. middle of a nightmare village. In the middle of, of a terrible, terribly dilapidated town. Um, yeah, I, and I think that that's actually like really smart. And, and the way Justin Long's character is being played here uh, is is for the sort of absurdist comedy of it. And it, I will say as well for me, the tonality change was a little hard. Um, but I again, I appreciated the way it worked. Right. You no, know, 100 percent. And I will say this, um, the um, the. Okay, so the third layer of this movie is kind of where it plays into two, and that is the the sort of degradation of neighborhood over time. Right. Um, there, there is the sort of flashback after Justin Long's character gets taken and finds Tess, and get they both get thrown in a cage after this thing, where we flash back to the I forget what song was playing on the radio the seventies the eighties. It was uh, probably the 80s is my guess. Um, This sort of like 80s idealistic neighborhood where this man who lived in that house um, is basically a serial killer. (laughs) Uh, You see just him sort of prep a woman's other home to be taken uh, and you kind of get the idea like, oh, he's doing this. And then he talks to a neighbor and the neighbor's like, oh, you know, we're leaving Uh, is, you know, the town's kind of going to shit. And and he says, I'm not going anywhere. Right. And so you're like, oh, okay. So this dude is tied to this house. And then we flash back into Justin Long's character, whose name is slipping from me. I apologize. Uh, oh, it's AJ. Um, AJ and Tess trapped uh, in this thing. And you realize that the monster that is attacking them is this barbaric woman who wants them to be the, her children. And that's based on a thing we see. God, it's so connected. And this is why I really, you know, I don't, we don't even need to go into the hyper details of it, but like every reasoning of a thing that happens does have an answer in this movie. Yeah. And in some ways, for me, sometimes giving the answer 
demystified it in a way that, you know, like lost its power. Sure. I mean, it becomes you you fall into the trope of, ah, I understand this. This is nothing supernatural. Yeah. So how is this person hyper strong and surviving all these things and yeah. yada, yada, yada. But like, again, horror movies. So I, I, for what this is, for if I'm, if I'm uh, stowing my disbelief to make all these other points connect, I sort of don't care at that point. Yeah. I'm like, all right. It's, it's not a, it's, they're, they're not deal breakers. Yeah. Um, I, what I, but what I did love, whether or not the the story structure is rock solid or not, I would say it's not. Mm-hmm. It does throw you stepping stones continually. Right. I'm looking forward to watching this movie again. I'm specifically looking forward to watching this movie with someone who hasn't watched it. Right. Because I think that'd be really, really fun. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a great, uh, again, like I say, it's a great blind buy. Because it's so uh, because it's so unusual. Yeah. Um, there. So so let's. Should we? Um, now we get into the third act. So after we've seen kind of the origins, uh, uh, or, or the fourth act, or whatever it is, uh, after we've seen the origins of what may be uh, how the house came to have a cavernous. Uh, dark room underneath it upon which a woman has been birthed uh, and has grown up in it. Um, we, we we start getting into the mythology of how this happened. So we meet the, the gentleman who uh, obviously built the house. He is now uh, down there in a room. We also learn that the monster wants you to drink the milk, which we presume is how Tess has been surviving underground for what may have been either a few days or a few weeks i don't right. know um if she's surviving on that milk it must ha- it must be some good formula or something I, i'm not exactly uh, sure yeah i mean again credulity is stretched at this point yeah. right because like either the monster is running out to get milk or it's somehow making it itself uh but that's another sure sure like, sure yeah. yeah whatever it is or or it's only been like a few hours and like yeah. you know like the timelines have like overlapped and we just didn't realize it um but th- so this is to me when the film starts really like not quite working as well anymore because the mysteries are starting to be solved and the and the the solutions to the mysteries are not as interesting as the mysteries themselves um so uh you know and again if we think about a film like toby hooper's the texas chainsaw massacre which doesn't quite tell us how this family works or what the family is or or you know like what they're doing there but kind of just gives you enough to let your imagination run with it into a few different possibilities um this is not that this is one where by the end of the film you have uh a couple of things happen that are kind of uh, absurdist but there but again there are pleasures within them um one is that we realize that that this woman uh is a product of several generations of inbreeding um and has lived down in the space for quite some time and the person who kidnapped her who has been breeding these women um is is also down there but has been uh like is also perhaps trying to escape his own prison that he has created for himself um and then yeah we don't quite understand why she is gargantuan and super strong it, it's you know this stretches a little bit of line but sure maybe you know 
maybe there's some superhuman strength that comes with inbreeding and only living on milk. Perhaps. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Um, but, uh, and then there is a, uh, uh, what we presume is a homeless man who is living outside, who seems to unknow and understand what is happening in this house. Because he's seen the monster come out at night. He's seen he's the seen monster the come, out come out at night, night and he has a whole story about it. It is compounded by the fact that Tiss escapes calls the police and is uh, not helped by the police. Again, sort of yes. an interesting social commentary of like the neighborhood and, and what's been happening there and, and the sort of uh, lack of empathy for uh, a woman uh, who is in distress. Um, I think all that stuff, you know, again, it lessens the mystery somewhat. It doesn't actually, um, it doesn't actually kind of create more of a, curiosity for me well so i think again going back to texas chainsaw massacre where yeah. there's some there's some now uh some some things that are sort of similar and there's some things that are different the re i've never really gravitated towards texas chainsaw massacre out of all of this sort of things or like the the sort of like um hillbilly murder cult stuff i've never yeah. i've never i i like my monsters weird with a bit of a supernatural kick i think that's just how it is right uh i don't know why but like I think because this style of uh, horror or or creature or person that is monstrous, et cetera, uh, that is presented in this movie is present like I'm fine with the 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 twist and turn and the logic of it not being the shocking thing. I like the structure of it being the shocking thing, right. Like, I think that's where I, like, because I'm not, like, ever going to gravitate towards that style of horror monster or story, right. the fact that they did something different with the actual film's, like, foundation right. is the thing that really gets to me and that I like. So, like, yeah, by the time they're running from it and the homeless guy saves them and, like, then you find out that the monster's not quite monstrous really truly because it's, it's like, tried to save its baby, like, at the, like, you know, the... I'm like, yep, this is hitting all the notes, but man, oh man, getting to this point, what a fucking beautiful scenic highway we just drove down. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's such a... I, I think for me, it was the the the, the neighbor, uh, the, the, the homeless person, right? Who kind of does the exposition dump oh, yeah. of, of what's been happening here. Um, and, you know, who kind of unceremoniously, you know, kind of... And, and the thing is, as it's happening, you kind of know what's going to happen to him. He's like, no, we're safe out here. I've been out here for so long and no one's ever come here. And then the next second, of course, the uh, the, the the barbarous woman um, rips off his arms and uses it to bash him in with it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Which, which I, I, yeah, you're kind of at that moment going, uh, okay, I guess. Huh? Pardon? Yeah, okay. I, sure. Okay. Um, but the, the, so where the pleasures are, it's a, it's a mixture of pleasure and of like a great idea, but a sort of odd execution or, you know, maybe I'm not quite convinced in terms of the storytelling is that uh, Tess and AJ rush up to this uh, water tower or something like that in order to get away from the woman. Uh, AJ seems to fall apart entirely. He can't pick up his gun correctly. He drops it. Well, he um, accidentally shoots Tess in the tunnel. Oh, he's already... Yeah, you're right. He's already shot Tess in the tunnel. You can't blame him too much for that, though. I mean, you know, like, he was in a darkened tunnel and he had a gun uh, and someone was coming towards him. That's not the worst. It's not the worst explanation for something's happening. It just kind of sucked. Sure. <laughs> um, but he's already made, he makes this speech about how maybe I'm a bad person or uh, I, I forget the exact wording of it, but maybe I, um, you know, uh, 
can I be a bad person for doing a terrible thing? Or like, like you know, do, do you remember the exact wording of the speech? I mean, I don't remember the exact wording, but basically what he's doing is bargaining with himself. Yeah, he's bargaining with himself. Uh, about uh, about the choices that he's making. He keeps like, am I a bad person? Or like, I didn't have a choice because of X, Y, and Z. And like, that's why I did it. And of course, I'm not bad. It's a situation that, like, whatever. Yeah. And it's a, that sort of mentality of, of that character, right? Yeah. So... So that definitely plays off at the end. He tries to sacrifice Tess. It goes awry. Uh, justice is served. Monster dies. Uh, but but the the way in which he bargains with himself then ultimately betrays himself immediately, right? Like how he, so? He tosses her off the. He yep. he bargains with himself to say maybe I'm not a you know maybe I I I'm not the, a bad person or maybe I am a bad person, and then he immediately tosses Tess off the uh, off the building in order to tower, yeah, yeah uh, in order to save himself and the monster dives after Tess. um i actually thought that was a beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. moment and i was like that's a really cool idea i don't buy the physics of it <laughs> like i don't think that's how gravity works uh because it, we pre- we don't quite see it but we presume that the monster catches Tess and, and then lets her land on it yeah and look it happens in superhero movies i'm fine with it yeah uh, not on a tower this high though right no like, sometimes really I don't know. I feel like it, Iron Man does this, but he does it with the suit. I'm guessing. No, they, like there's this. It, that is a classic actiony trope. You <laughs> you grab someone midair, you flip around, and or the body takes the damage. Like it, it's it, well, yeah, it's an actiony trope. I'll, I'll buy that. I can't I can't think of a movie where a second body has fall fallen faster than the first body. Oh, I can. Really? Th- th- how many? There's so many things where someone dives faster to catch someone that is falling and flip them around or fuck with a parachute it's, or like it, any yeah, of that shit. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight does this. Yeah. Like Batman saves Rachel. Batman, I feel like, can adjust his velocity <laughs> yeah, on he a can. whim, uh, <laughs> which is fine. He's, he's Batman. He's Batman. Um, I, I, I liked that moment quite a bit because, again, the, the, the truth is, and you find this out through the connective tissue of the, uh, of the, his eyes. the serial killer. Of his eyeballs. I was going to say, <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say the serial killer who bred this monster. Yeah. Uh, the one piece of media that this child has had growing up entirely is the one thing that you hear quoted from. It's basically like a new mother instructional VHS tape. Right. And like the noise, the creepy noise it makes is. Mm, Right. It's yeah. like that kissy noise because that's what it does in the video. Yeah. Like or that's what is, is being presented in the video. And it's just like, oh, God, <laughs> like there's just some fucking terror uh, and and sadness sort of laden with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I dug the connective tissue. The connective tissue is why you go to this movie. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's funny if you've not seen it and you're still listening <laughs> and we're spoiling the entire thing for you. Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know in that particular case, <laughs> does it still work for you? Because well, I think a lot of the novelty, now that the film is not made well, I actually think the, the production value, uh, uh, the sound design, the cinematography, everything is really, really solid. Right. Uh, it does it does what's on the tin. Yeah. Um, and and really makes you nervous and feel like you're on this horror ride. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious if if the twists and turns, which are the thing that really locked me in, and again, going back, I want to watch this with someone else who hasn't seen it. I want to do that because I want to witness them having and seeing the twists and turns, right? right? Like that's the value to me. Right. I'm curious if someone else listened to this entire thing or got it totally spoiled and watched it, <laughs> what your thoughts of this film are. 
So Especially you, if you like horror. So for you as a final thought on it, um, where do you kind of land on that experience? I think it's super fun. Yeah. I love I love anything that's innovative in the horror space, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the horror space. Sometimes innovation in, in other spaces, weirdly enough, like I don't give it as much leeway on a personal enjoyment level. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to forgive this film's... Uh, quite a few flaws in it mm-hmm. because it did something that surprised me and that I enjoyed going on the ride for. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I would say 100% to watch this movie. I think this movie is something that, uh, it ha- like, you know, things like this have been done before, but I haven't seen it done this well in a very long time. Right. So, I don't know. I dug I dug the hell out of it. What about you? Would you would you tell someone to watch this warts and all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I 100% think that this is worth your time, uh, worth uh, worth the effort to, you know, and again, I enjoyed seeing this in a movie theater. Uh, it wasn't a particularly packed movie theater. I went to a 4.30 screening. Um, it would have been really fun to watch this in a crowded movie theater. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, again, I, I the storytelling... Uh, it, it's not that it's bad. It's actually quite good. It's just that it explains a little too much sure. uh, about the mythology of what's happening and doesn't allow you kind of the room to 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 have that sort of like, what is happening kind of thing. Um, but I was shocked. I saw it at Lincoln Square and I thought saw it in theater one, the right. Atmos theater. Right. And I was like, oh, it's so cool that this movie is in the Atmos theater. Right. Like, I didn't expect it to be when I ordered the ticket and then I looked at it and I was like, huh. Huh. Okay, <laughs> must be a slow week. Like, I, but I was so thankful to watch it on that screen. It just it it fucking threw you in there. Like, yeah. it was really good. Uh, I was at the Kabuki Theater in in the Japantown in San Francisco. I think it was the, the name of the theater, and it was it was very pleasant. Although I got very okay, <laughs> this has got nothing to do oh, with the movie. Fuck. But you know, like they, they were selling gourmet popcorn, uh, the the salty and the caramel, and if you bought. Which I which I am a fan of, uh, <laughs> and if you but but I I wanted just a small bag of popcorn and and I said okay I'm just getting a small bag can you mix in some some salty and the sweet popcorn together and they were like no only if you buy the big bag and I was like wait what like they were like we're we're not allowed to mix them unless you buy the big bag and I was and and it was just like this moment of like. There's almost Kafka-esque, which is probably assigning it too much importance. Kafka-esque sense of like, why is the world so strange? I would say that's a more curb your enthusiasm moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. And you just like turn around and are like shaking your shoulders. Yeah. So at any rate, good movie, bad popcorn. Wow. Well, there you have it. This has been the only podcast about the film Barbarian. Shahir. When you are not putting all of your uh, attribute points into strength and constitution, where can folks find you? You can find me wearing a loincloth and swinging my mighty battle axe. Let's go with that. Uh, uh, at my website at com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Side note, do people make fun of me for saying www? Is that a thing? We don't need to say www anymore? No, but I think I say it, don't I? Let's <laughs> ask me the thing and I'll just do the the, okay. the, the standard thing and we'll go for it. Uh, Matt, when you are bearing down upon the streets with all of the rage, um, where can people find you? You can find me being vengeance falling faster than any human body over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. I don't I guess I don't say WWW. Or do I? Did I just knock it out this time? Over at my website, 
Yeah. M-A-T-T-H. No, I don't. I don't think I do. Maybe also, it's because I went to the Roblox conference and I was like, am I out of touch? Is it me? No, no it's the, the kids, kids are that out are wrong. of touch. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you could also wear my Instagram skeleton the number four P-R-E-Z there or on PSN if you want to play some Elden Ring with me or, of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. I just dropped the thing. I, you know when you do a tweet and mm-hmm. you're really hoping for some engagement? Mm-hmm. I just dropped a tweet just about Tekken 8. They'd had a trailer for Tekken 8, the fighting game. Okay. And I'm super hyped for it. Yeah. And I had a funny like exchange I wanted to do with folks, uh, and no one tweeted and answered my call for a call and response All right, let about me, their let favorite me, I'm, I'm going to Twitter right now. And no one no, did. No, no, no. Hang on. Let's, let's, let's do this together on the podcast. Let's see. <sighs> Matt Crawl, uh, Emperor MSK on You Twitter. can also email us <laughs> in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com when you're not busy listening to Shahir. Check my Twitter. Uh, let us know what you thought of Barbarian. Uh, let us know what other films you want to see let us know if you think that mixing the salty and sweet popcorns in a small should be allowed or if Shahir is asking too much from this society we live in uh ticking eight trailer has me chomping at the bit so sound off with your ticking mains and i'll tell you why they can't beat roger i'm gonna say rayu <laughs> no oh, fuck you uh, uh fine i'll answer it but it's not you're not gonna like it all right uh yeah i was so mad i was like "Ooh, i want to have some fun engagement with people no one gives a shit uh doesn't matter anyway next week i propose we uh we do blonde Blonde, I'm very excited for because it is, of course, directed by Andrew Dominic, who was born in Wellington, New Zealand, who directed one of my favorite films, The Assassination of J.C. James by the coward Robert Ford, uh, and also directed Chopper um, and uh, Killing Them Softly, I believe. Uh, I am excited for anything that man puts down to screen, even if it is apparently uh, a, a, a grueling uh, biopic about the life of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I am there for it. There's a lot of uh, great releases. Uh, of course, the Toronto International Film Festival is happening right now. Um, Darren Aronofsky's film, You Loved Mother. Um, Darren Aronofsky's film, The Whale, is getting Whale. critical uh, critical critical acclaim. Um, yeah, there's a lot coming out uh, that I'm really excited for. Uh, Ryan Johnson's Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's we're getting to that time of year. <laughs> We are. But next week will be Blonde, I think, right? We can agree on that? Is it come out, as long as it comes out next yeah, it week. It comes out on the 16th. We're uh, recording this on the, what, 14th? I don't even fucking know. All right, all right. That sounds uh, like So a- that's your homework, everybody. Watch Blonde. Three and then hours we can talk it. about Blonde. All right. Um, also, you know what, Shahir? I'm, now, this is officially, I'm just saying this right now so I can, the next statement is true. This is the end of the podcast. Actually, I'll say it after the music. I'll say this thing after the music so we're officially done and then If it's I interrupt true. you, have I broken the chain? Not at all. Oh, Everybody, God. thank you so much for listening this week and inviting us into your ear holes. We will talk at you next week uh, when we say that diamonds are a girl's best friend, but I, also... Look, I don't know how grueling this movie is going to be. I don't think we want to make any statements or claims about it at this point. I, I don't know <laughs> either. I was trying to think of a Marilyn Monroe thing, but I honestly don't know much about her life, so uh, it'll be interesting. Anyway, we'll talk at you next week. Until then, bye, everyone. Bye. And the thing I want to say is I'm super proud of us for being a fucking movie podcast and not bringing up Spitgate once. That shit's fucking (laughs) stupid. Don't worry, darling. We'll bring it up next week. Fuck you. (laughs)